Hello and welcome to Undaunted, where each episode I talk with fellow podcasters from all walks of life and discuss what went well, what went wrong, and what just didn't matter. We'll share the good, the bad, the many laughs and lessons along the way. I'm Amos, and today I'm joined with John Reiner, aka Cigar Surgeon of the Cigar Federation Podcasts at CigarFederation.com. Um, I say podcasts because you have several podcasts all on the same site, all on the same subject, and it's amazing that you can put all that out there. How are you doing today, John? I'm good. Thanks very much for having me on the show, Anthony. Yeah, we never like to do things the easy way. I mean, you know, lessons learned. There's so many things that we should have done in a better manner. I mean, the starting point would be having a separate channel for all the different content because although they're all on the same subject, the core of that content, especially between our pairing show and our interview show, which is Cigar Chat, the, the two content streams are very, very different. I mean, one is really guest focused and one is entirely product focused. Mm-hmm. And I think there's probably a significant amount of our audience who don't either care for maybe me or, you know, <laughs> Maybe the the host of Cigar Chat, and they only want to listen to one stream. And I think that's probably something we have to look at down the road. Unfortunately, I'm not directly in control of that aspect. But you know that talking about lessons learned, you always you always learn these lessons. Unfortunately, when you've already taken that that trip down the highway 300 miles, and you mm-hmm. go, oh yeah, that would have made a lot of sense. Can we do that now? Well, maybe, but probably not. Yeah. And uh, yeah, would have but- been easier. You you have like you said you you have what is it two or three I thought it was three different fields on the show because you got cigar talk um, yeah so which is kind of an interview show yeah we have so I think at one point we had five different shows <laughs> over over the lifespan of that podcast because you know what who would be content with one show we have so currently we have cigar chat which is uh industry focus we the entire purpose of that show is to have people from our industry which is obviously the cigar industry for those who haven't made that connection yet we have people from the cigar industry on to talk cigars talk about the industry loosen it up make it interesting etc we have my show which i have full creative control over which is sharing our pairings and the focus of that show is to pair cigars with beverages typically alcoholic beverages but not always in the past and in the future, we have our IPCPR conference coverage, which is essentially the big convention for the industry. And there's a lot of people that are really, really interested in the interviews that we do with industry people because they really talk about what product is coming out. And some of them are very interesting personalities. So we tend to get a lot of interest, but that's really only one time of the year, and that's in July. So there's a limited lifespan for that. And then, you know, we've had some great shows which are come and gone and one of them was the uh what embargo which was you know for those kind of making that connection between cigars and embargo that's really a show was show focused on cuba cuban cigars cuban talk trash talk sometimes and we also had pipe dummies which was entirely focused on pipes which is not really something that you think about when you think about cigars but there's a lot of correlation there's a lot of sort of that Venn diagram crossover where there are pipe smokers that smoke cigars. And, you know, it is kind of a similar concept in terms of uh, uh, hobby, if you will. So, that you know, there's been a lot of iteration of the show. And you think about, well, you know, certainly between Pipe Dummies and the Cigar Show, you'd think really that would be two different, three different podcast streams. But again, why would we, why would we do things the logical way and design it properly when you could just throw a big, 
soup of podcast topics together. That that does beg the question. Uh, beg the question of when you, and, and I'm assuming you you were part of the original creation process. Um, when you came up with the concept of making the cigar podcast, did you originally see that it would branch out in different directions, or was it just kind of like, hey, we're just going to talk about cigars and let's let's see what happens with it? So interestingly enough, I was sort of a latecomer to the Cigar Federation, and I guess I'll just talk about first of all what Cigar Federation is. Cigar Federation is a media platform for the cigar industry and more importantly for people to sort of come and chat and hang out and talk and share their experiences and their photos and and whatever silliness they've got going on. And I think from the very beginning, the site owner, Logan, had this idea of having weekly shows. Actually, you know, now that I think about it, I actually missed two shows, maybe even three shows. We actually used to do a show where we would have actual normal everyday people on the show to smoke cigars and talk about their experience. And that was called the Robbie Rass Roundtable. And I think we've, we also had another similar show to that where it was just a smoke night and people, but you know, again, that's the lifespan of the show. Some of these ideas came from nowhere and evolved over time, but I kind of came almost in the middle. The site had been around for a few years I was sort of absorbed in the site, which the timing was interesting because I, I did run my own site and foolishly, as it seems now, I wasn't really interested in, in the site management aspect. You know, there's a lot of time involved in what I do, which is cigar reviews and shows and that sort of thing. And I said, look, I'm, I'm a technology guy and I know I have a real understanding of how much effort and work it takes to keep a site running and looking good. And I have absolutely no interest in taking that on. And originally I had a partner who was perfectly content doing all of that work behind the scenes. And what happened was he, as life happens, decided that he didn't have the time for it anymore. And so I was basically faced with the reality of, well, I'm going to have to shut my site down because I like I'm very committed to not taking that time up mm. managing technology, which seems ironic now because that's 75% of my workload. <laughs> uh, but Logan approached me not knowing that and said, Hey, are you interested in being absorbed into cigar federation? And it was perfect timing because I would have pretty much given up if he hadn't done that. So I came in and being a technology guy, uh, kind of immediately sort of started pulling wires out and just said, look, you, you, this site is a mess. Your technology is a mess. Your audio is a mess. And over time, I've just tried to continue to push the technology and the quality level and some of those things forward uh, because really they're not technology people. They're, they're cigar people. They work in different industries. They work in different specialties. So I'm, I'm proud of where it started out, which to me was very rough and uh, very appreciative for the audience that listened back in that time because I can't listen to it. The audio quality and the and all the post-production stuff is just so painful to me. And where we are today where, you know, I can say you're always going to be critical of your own work, but I'm happy with where it is today, which seemingly if you compare the two, it's, it, you know, it is night and day really. That's awesome. Uh, it, it's always, as a podcaster, I know the troubles and trials and, and everything else that, that I've gone through, uh, you know, we at Ritual Misery have gone through, trying to get Kent to learn some mic technique to, <laughs> just a couple weeks ago, he edited, 
he produced the podcast because it's, it was his week to, to do so. And yeah. I got the audio back and I couldn't listen to it. I literally had to stop and yeah. tell him to give me this, give me the source file so I could fix it. But then I'm the, <laughs> I'm also the anal retentive asshole of the group. So, uh, you know, I, I, I fully appreciate that. And when, you know, this, this podcast undaunted is coming out of a drive from ritual misery. Hey, we, I want to know more about other people and their process of podcasting and how they've come up to where they are. So, um, I, I love that aspect of it, that development aspect of it. Um, what initially got you into podcasting to start with? I mean, wh- what is your podcasting history? I, I think it just evolved because, and again, you know, we like to do things backwards at Cigar Federation, which has been a lot of fun. We really started out as a live show, a live stream on YouTube, which live streaming versus pre-recording podcasts. We kind of talked a little bit about that before the show, but doing live is a very, very different beast. And I have a lot of respect for anyone who does live broadcasting because there is no safety net. You screw up live, you say the wrong thing, you speak the wrong words, you swear, depending on you know whether you can swear on your show or not. It's bad. I mean, it's really bad. And you need, you need to be able to roll with the punches. You need to be able to segue very quickly when things break, which they always do. Regardless of how prepared you are, things will always break. <laughs> it's not about fixing that thing. It's about how you react to the stress of just like lights falling down and things being blown over by strong winds and your laptop disconnecting for no particular reason whatsoever. So we sort of took that live content and decided, look, there's not necessarily a, a huge audience that wants to tune into this live, but there's probably this other audience that wants to listen after the fact because you know, it's kind of, it, to me, it's like con- uh, current media content. You know, we've gone from a society that, you know, everyone would sit around the television at seven o'clock on a Friday night to watch Dallas. And really, we don't have lives like that anymore. We need to, you know, digest that content that's at a time convenient for us. And that's, to me, podcasting is brilliant because you can't possibly know, you know, maybe they're washing their dishes and they just don't want to be bored to death. So they listen to a podcast to distract them or Maybe they're going on an airplane for four hours and they want to listen to Ritual Misery because that's a great way to ignore the screaming baby behind you in the seat. And the way that people consume the podcast is really up to them, which is fantastic. So we discovered in that process that there was a much bigger audience in the podcasting genre than there was in the live broadcast. We still do our live broadcasts and we enjoy it very much. But it's the it's the podcast aspect where we really have the the much much larger audience. Now, for you, what was your first podcast like that you listened to? Because oh, I, I good... automatically assume that anybody who makes podcasts started out by listening to podcasts. And one day I'm well, gonna I'm gonna be proven wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so today is that day. Uh, I really did not have any. I mean, I'm sure that I listened to a podcast at some point, but I absolutely did not have a podcast catcher on my phone. I was not regularly listening to any content whatsoever. And I think it was through the creational process of a podcast, being a podcast owner, that I really discovered, hey, you know, it's not just about you. There's all of this fantastically produced content and some not fantastically produced content out there and available And all of a sudden I discovered, hey, you know, instead of reading a book on the airplane um, or driving or, well, in fact, I would say 
90% of my podcasts are consumed while driving, which is great because it means they don't murder other drivers on the road, which is good for everyone. It's, it's a great, great way to consume everything from audiobooks to really interesting history, um, true story. I mean, there's just so much content out there and it's free and it's a lot of people take the content production very seriously. So it's, there's very high production levels for a lot of it. I, I mean, I love it. So yeah, and I had no concept of podcasts before I jumped both feet in and started making a podcast. And all of a sudden this whole world was open to me and, you know, now I have, I don't know, 10 or 15 different podcasts that I listen to on a regular basis throughout the week. How did your presentation of your podcast change once you started listening to other podcasts? Oh God. I mean, I can't listen to our, I think our first 20 shows, I can't listen to them anymore. And I don't know that I could go back and change that, but the organization of the show, post-production, the technology quality in terms of what we're using for microphones, the organization of how the content was. I mean, we, I just had no concept of how complicated and to what level you needed to have that stuff polished. And I think a lot of that is your, your podcast is going to suck when you start out. I mean, you can pretty much just throw the first 10 or 15 episodes in in my opinion. I mean, I, I'm just one guy. It's just my experience. This is all anecdotal, but I think the first 10 or 15 episodes, you can just throw them right into trash because it's, you know, it's like anything in life, the way you generally, the way you get good at something is by doing it and you're going to suck. It's going to be unpolished. It's going to be rough. And you're going to go back a year from now, if you've been around for a year and you're going to go, Oh my God, that is so terrible. I can't like, I can't listen to myself speak and, and the, the pauses and the content failure and the disorganization, it's just so terrible. So I think having gone through that process, I really appreciate when someone has a, a really established podcast with great content and they put a lot of thought into the flow of that content. And the, you know, I think as being, being a guy who manages your own podcast, unfortunately that makes you more sensitive to the technology and, and production of quality of someone else's podcast. And I, I can, I can say I'm almost always throughout the week sending quote unquote friendly notes to fellow podcasters in our own genre. And I say, listen, I, you know, I don't know if you listen to your own podcast, but you should probably go back and listen to your podcast and tell me if you see anything out of the ordinary, because I, I am definitely more sensitive to all of those tweaks and adjustments and editing and technology stuff having run my own podcast. I don't know if that answered your original question. I just kind of <laughs> went with it. And, no, it, and it, with it. It, it did. And in fact, there's two, I, I find there's two different types of people that podcast and then listen to podcasts as well. And you have the one that is the podcast snob, like, like me. And I'm assuming like you, you listen to another podcast and you're like, Oh, that, how did they leave that in? Or why haven't they fixed this? Or why is every show completely different? Like I've listened to three episodes of the show and there's no flow, no common flow to it. It's just completely yeah. chaotic. Is that a, is that a, 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 an attractive point of the show? Is that one of the, the, the reasons for the show? Um, and then you have the other one that's like, oh, I know the work that goes into it. So if someone else doesn't want to put that work into making a highly produced high quality show then i understand i'm just there for the content itself which is kent and me and ken are basically opposites on 
every aspect of everything in life. Um, so I, I can see both sides of that, and it always drives me nuts. Like I, I am, I am definitely the podcast knob, the one that's just a simple fix. Two minutes, two minutes yeah. out of your out of your show every week would fix these five problems. Yeah, and. Again, again, that's one of the reasons I want to do the show is because everybody has different, different, uh, different perspective on that and the whole process of podcasting in general. So, I, I think, and this is going to sound super selfish, Anthony, but I think what drives me the the most crazy is when you see a podcast where they could make very simple changes to increase their quality level significantly, and they haven't done that, and yet their podcasts are wildly successful, and that's really more a personal selfish thing when they're in my same genre and i say look how is it that they can have more audience than we do and there are times where your podcast literally well it doesn't literally it's going to say literally causes my ears to bleed but of course that's that's ridiculous but i I mean it you know there are times where i have to shut a podcast off because i'm you know i've got so much audio fatigue and i said look i can't i just can't adjust my volume dial 15 times throughout mm-hmm. your podcast it's just ridiculous guys like these are simple things you can do and yet there are podcasts out there in our own genre that i would say their audience and listens are probably three to five times as much as ours and that that does drive me a little bit crazy <laughs> i know it's selfish i know you know it's well it's because especially that one when you when you're dealing with audio levels and I understand some some shows just you just can't fix the audio levels there's something going on whatever else you just you're gonna have this but if you're listening to a podcast on a regular basis whose audio levels constantly adjust, especially if you're listening in, in a car because you have so much less control of the environment when you're in a car, it's, it, I know you're isolated, but then you've got the road noise, you've got engine yep. noise, you've got yep. you know, everything else going on. And you can't put it too loud because you want to be able to hear what's going on on the road. Exactly. If you have a podcast that's regularly changing volumes in the middle of the podcast and you constantly have to adjust the knob, it becomes a complete downer once you realize that audition has a free tool that does it it's included audacity has a free add-in that does it there's another app that's completely free called levelator that'll do it for you regardless yep. of what what program you use to create your content and the very simple 20 seconds it takes to do that and you can't do that for your listeners it, it, I'm, I'm with you it drives me completely crazy i mean i understand that for me, and I do many other things, like I do photography, and for me, post-production is just absolutely the most painful part of the creative process. And I'm not really a creative guy to begin with, so working on this creative content after the fact is is very much like pulling my teeth out. But especially with podcasts, there's there's some very minor things you can do to your podcast to significantly inc- increase the quality levels that don't require two hours of clicking through seconds by seconds of audio for throat clears or, you know, whatever that might be, you can, you can make some very, very quick, like literally two minutes of editing and the content quality is tripled or quadrupled. Mm -hmm. And yet there's just podcasts out there. And again, more picking on ones that are in our genre because they can be critical of them. We produce similar content and it's like, listen, guys, you, 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 at the same level of technology we are in some cases you have better technology and these are really minor things and I, I just how is that not i don't need to tell you this you should be listening to your own podcast going continuous improvement continuous improvement continuous improvement speaking of continuous improvement in the whole process of 
improving your your show, your audio, your presentation, the whole package. What are some of the things that you've done over the last you know year or so or a couple of years that have really significantly jumped your show ahead of where it was before or your shows? Well, first, let me just say, I think the only people seemingly making any money off podcasting is the people that sell microphones and podcasting software. <laughs> and plugins. I mean, you know, no disrespect, power to those guys. But it's like every time I turn around to try and improve my podcast, and it's like, yeah, that's no problem. We can improve your podcast for the one-time easy licensing fee of $99. It's like, God, really? Like, I would love to spend $99 on your software, but I've already spent thousand dollars on webcams and podcasts and plugins and licenses and music and whatever else and it's like guys I'm, I'm i'm getting bled dry here mm-hmm. um but we just recently underwent a pretty significant technology change two of them we're using hangouts google hangouts for our live broadcast tied into a youtube stream and it's very effective it's very easy there's a very short learning curve to it. So I think there's a lot of podcasters that are doing that and power to them. But Google, for all of their intuition and design work and just brilliance, the Hangout tool is terrible. It's it's just, it's an awful, awful tool. It's unreliable. The quality levels are terrible. They seemingly have not given any concept to what a live broadcast can do like it just feels like they've never actually gone through a live broadcast with their software so right that's i was going to say that the actual process of setting up a live broadcast on google on it's just it's so painful like this should be one click but you it's like 15 clicks you got to type some stuff in yeah it yeah i know i agree okay continue i just had to throw that in there yeah, yeah. No, and I mean, how many times has a live broadcast failed and the audience member or the guest can't get back into the show? Or, you know, it's a, okay, well, here's a URL. This is all you need to join the room. And then it just doesn't let them in. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. It's just, it's just a room. You've got the link. The permissions are there. Nope, it just doesn't work. And after dealing with that for on Cigar Chat, especially because that's, you know, we're dealing with people in the cigar industry who... I mean, I, I feel comfortable saying this because they know it. They're 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 neophytes. I mean, they just. I mean, it's like going back twenty years, twenty five years in the past, and it's like, what is even a computer? And it's like, guys, I'm you know, I'm not asking you to do design work in Adobe or you know, convert this this photo or video into a different codec format. All I'm asking you to do is plug in some bloody headphones with a microphone and connect in a reasonably reliable internet connection to the show for an hour, which is not a complicated thing. Like this is probably something you've had to do within your corporation or whatever job you do with, with conference calling. But for whatever reason within the cigar industry, especially just a lot of people who are very, uh, just not comfortable at all with technology. And so, you know, there's a, and I'm sure this is true of a lot of podcasts who have guests on who are not from a technology background that, you have to go through this big process of making sure, you know, you, sp- you spend so much time before the show. Well, we're going to do a test connection. We're going to make sure things are right. We're going to make sure you're whatever computer, Mac or PC and to- totally different problem sets that crop up. And sometimes your mic doesn't work and sometimes it does. And you have to do that before the show because for us, once it's live, it's live. Mm-hmm. And if things break while we're live, we have to roll with it. So going back to the topic at hand of 
you know, that technology scope. Well, we started out doing hangouts and I think Logan and the rest of the team is probably sick of me driving them nuts about audio quality and video quality. It's like, listen, guys, I know that it's convenient to use the 480p webcam on your Dell laptop, but we're professional quote unquote (laughs) podcast, you know, spend the 75 us on the best webcam possible and it'll just look so much better you know use use a set of plug-in microphones slash headphones that cost 35 dollars. i mean yeah you could get a webcam or a a really nice microphone for a hundred dollars or more but just spend 35 bucks and all of a sudden your audio quality doubles or triples so it's been a grind and uh, the most recent change we made, which was substantial and I probably got myself into trouble because I'm taking on all this responsibility, but we moved away from Hangouts. We moved away from YouTube specifically to uh, OBS Studio. Mm. And I don't know if you've worked, have you worked with OBS Studio at all, Anthony? Uh, he, yeah, it's it's our yeah. primary. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, okay, so Sai tells me you've you've got a lot of experience in OBS Studio <laughs> on Mac and PC. Um, mm. It's OBS. So OBS Studio is basically the the current version, the current name for the overall package because there used to be multiple different packages. Yeah, and OBS Studio is a wonderful piece of software. It's very very. Uh, low cpu intensity very low graphic intensity it, it's right. kind of doesn't cost you a dime yeah it's 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 amazing software especially for being free yeah but man once you hit a limitation once you hit that limitation the wall on obs it will drive you mad trying to find a workaround yeah and i'll, I'll give a classic example as we've you know moved in our technology so being live broadcast, OBS allows us to do a lot of things that we could not do. It allows us to up our quality level. It allows me off-site recording during the show. Mm-hmm. And off-site recording is a big, big one for us because I can I can record at 320K instead of the 128 whatever crap that YouTube is recording in. So I've got a, a quote-unquote master audio file, which is great. And so I can immediately start working on the podcast right after a show instead of having to wait and download this copy of a copy of a copy. And then the other big thing is the Facebook audience, the Facebook live audience is growing. And, you know, I despise Facebook, but it's a necessary evil. It's growing at a time where our YouTube audience is declining. And we're finding that more and more and more people are consuming it from Facebook because it's just more convenient. They're already on the platform. They've got it on their phone. So we undertook the, the, the seemingly Herculean task of doing a dual broadcast to YouTube and to Facebook, mm. which has put us in this really small percentage of group of people that do that. And I say that because there's so many people that are doing Twitch broadcasting and that's great for them. They can do Twitch and they can do YouTube, but Twitch and YouTube is a completely different beast than Facebook and YouTube. And there's a whole different set of complications that come along with that. And we, you know, we've got that problem for the most part solved and we're happy for the most part that OBS does what it does because we can do midstream ads and we can do content video during the show, which makes it a much more polished and professional style of show. 
hopefully allows us to add more advertising. So instead of being this massive money sink for us, it's something that's either net neutral or net positive. So we, we made that journey, I want to say maybe two months ago, and it was pretty rough. The first, the first few shows as we dealt with, as you say, the technical limitations and software going south and Facebook inexplicably just not working for no reason whatsoever. But it has been a much better platform and a much better design. And the whole philosophy around it is just so much better and so much more polished than Hangout in, in YouTube. So I don't think we're going to move away from it. But I mean, I can tell you right now, and hopefully someone from OBS, thank you for all your hard work. But for the love of God... <laughs> allow dual broadcasting mm. split broadcasting from the software it's such a simple implementation i understand that it's you know your work is free and i get that but it would just save so much headache for us i mean it's just so much work for us to split the broadcast live to facebook and youtube which is something that other software that is paid does already and we just would rather not use those tools because they have their own inherent limitations. You know, it can, it, you can never, like, if it's just, hey, spend the $150 and it's got all the capability of the software you're using plus this extra feature, great. But then you switch over to it. And it's like, well, you know, we've got all these capabilities, but remember those really awesome audio uh, filters and, and audio gates and all this noise suppression and stuff you're using? Yeah, we don't have any of that. Okay. Okay, you know we're you know we're recording audio and video, right, guys? Well, you know, so nothing can ever be easy. That's, so, I mean, that's are, are you that? Are you ready for another kick in, kick in the in the uh, square in the in the bollocks? Please. Have you heard of Restream.io? Mm -hmm. I have. Restream.io will stream everything, anything to anywhere that you want it to go. It's a free service. You can do sure. this all the time until sure. you try to go to Facebook. Exactly. Or to a private server, <laughs> yes. which we do at Ritual Misery with uh, DiamondClub.tv. Yeah, either one of those, and Facebook doesn't doesn't jive because they want you to change your key every two hours if you're broadcasting. Yeah. And the private server, they don't the restream doesn't do that because that's a paid feature, which is essentially what you have to do for the Facebook side too if you want that to work there. So that just this just last week on IQMZ Sports, a show that I produce but don't appear on, um, we just we were having that problem. Everything else was working. All the other streams, you could catch us everywhere except for Facebook. Yep. And man, it's so maddening. If if OBS had a restream plugin that could just go directly there yep. and restream worked with Facebook, it would be a dream setup. Yep. Yeah. Um and you know, this is the, the biggest, most frustrating, excruciatingly, excruciatingly painful thing for me is that we try to do something that seemingly someone else must have tried to do in the past. And the number of times someone said, bro, just use Restream, bro, just use Restream, bro, just use Restream. It's like, listen, I'm going to swear at you now because you're providing a solution that you don't know actually works and it doesn't unless you pay for it. And then, like you said, then you pay for it and you read all these technology limitations. Like it just doesn't work for whatever reason. Or, you know, your broadcast kicks out halfway through because you've gone over the set period of time that you can do and you have to have a new key. And it's like, well, okay, so that's not really a solution. That's a 
a problem with a whole other set of problems attached to it. Mm-hmm. So we, we, I almost feel like we forged this solution on our own, you know, there's from a hobnob of, okay, we'll just use uh, NGINX. That'll, that'll solve it. Well, it will and it won't because now we have to re-encode the broadcast and we have to do all this other stuff. And now there's audio delays. And it's like, I mean, I almost feel like I could write a book on the painful journey of trying to do new technology because nothing can ever be easy. Mm. Now, the other software we have tried, and there's other software that does it a little bit better, but I can't necessarily run it easily. Like we used, um, I'm a, I guess, name drop, but XSplit. Mm-hmm. And XSplit does a lot of things really well. Like it's got fantastic control over streaming. Uh, the tools are all in your face, so it's obvious which stream you're broadcasting to. It takes two seconds to start a broadcast to that stream. You get immediate confirmation that it's in fact working. There's a thing. Is my is my stream working? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> okay, well it's good. It's not important. It's not. It's not like it's live or anything, and I can't fix it once we go live because I can't just get up from my seat and go fiddle around with technology for 15 minutes. That's an exciting show live. But that's where, you know, the, some of the really cool things that OBS does. And again, for free, which it, frankly, I would pay for OBS. I mean, mm. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't say that, but I would pay for OBS. It's a really great piece of software. And a lot of the audio stuff you can do in there is brilliant. I mean, you know, we cleaned up our live broadcast for audio significantly, but we can't do that in XSplit. So it's like we get this great tool, but it's a partial implementation. Mm. And same thing with OBS. It's a great tool. But you just keep hitting these walls, and it's just like I'm not. I don't feel like I'm doing this thing that's overly complicated. You know, mm-hmm. we're not. We're not trying to have moving fancy backgrounds or, you know, big broadcast ESPN level quality stuff. We're just trying to produce a pretty simple show to to do some minor things. You have to have a lot of patience. I, I think I personally love how every video streaming application out there one of the big things that they have to have you you can't consider yourself a video streaming application if you do not have chroma key yeah you know how many people i see that use chroma key effectively <laughs> none none <laughs> like chroma key is there for weather people yeah and that's it yeah let it die with weather people yeah but everyone yeah. everyone else that tries to use it it's it's awful is distracting and it's not it's yeah so yeah i think so i I think if rule number one of podcasting is nothing can ever be easy uh rule number two of podcasting has to be don't try to do anything more complicated than it needs to be and i think you know and this is really for all podcasters out there is try and reduce your work i don't know i guess you'd say like your work um flow your workflow needs to be reduced to the minimal number of components mm. because a when you do that you're going to not lose your hair and drink all your whiskey and b you're going to run into far less problems and complications down the road especially when you try to take on new cool yeah. fancy things but uh, i think we all for the most part s- fall into that trap you know we try to make try to do this fancy thing and then you try to do this fancy thing really in a complicated manner and it just, it's frustrating. I mean, it's just, it's so painful. So painful. Yep. Um, fun. It, it, everything will eventually break. Yep. No tools are perfect. And kiss everything. Keep it mm-hmm. simple, stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, kiss Absolutely. Kiss everything. Um, 
now you're you're talking about how you've you've expanded your audience you've done you've uh you've really grown but then you have your competitors uh, i say competitors but they're they're probably co-opetition right they're just, there's yes. always some cross talk and and yep. things like that now when it comes to your podcasts and uh uh cigar federation in general do you have measures of success and if so how do you feel you're stacking against those and what grade would you give yourself i have measures of success <laughs> but i am not i i'm in a very complicated slash frustrating position of being the guy that's driving seemingly those those goalposts those metrics but i don't have uh really a stake in the you know i don't i don't have any skin in the game as they say i'm not the site owner i don't make those decisions so i'm in this really awkward position of of driving that 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 owner that stakeholder along when that stakeholder doesn't necessarily care i mean they're happy that we've got an audience at all and i'm looking for continuous growth or you know some new metric that we can measure ourselves by and because i think ultimately and this is maybe just from years working in sales if you're not measuring your metrics if you're not setting goals for yourself then I think you're going to fall into this rut and fall into this place where you're not pushing your work and you're not trying to, you're not, you're not trying to continuously improve. And I think continuous improvement is really important. So we have definitely gone from a space that, you know, our audience was there and pretty dedicated. I think in uh, 2014 slash 2015, we pretty much doubled our audience and we've seen continuous growth from there. But you know, going back to competition, as you're mentioning, I, I do believe that, especially in our genre, which is a really bizarre genre, and, and, and we'll talk about it in a second, but it just, you know, we're, we're in this weird, undefinable place on the built-in Apple iTunes genre list that everyone has to fall by, where I, I think we need to, you know, our audience, our audience group is so small that we have to work together. And, you know, I've got that mentality is you're not my, you're not my competition. You know, you're another podcast that I listen to. And ultimately, although we may do the same thing, we don't really do the same thing. We've got different styles and that's okay. And your success ultimately is my success and my success is your success. And if we can all, you know, as they say, right, raise that tide to raise all of our boats at the same time, that's a good thing. And, I've really tried to push this mentality that it's okay to be jealous, but you also want to have some invested success in someone else's podcast because we are trying to improve our very little, very ultimately so small group of people and listeners. We're, we're, it's okay for them to listen to your podcast and listen to my podcast. And maybe we can get them listening to another person's podcast in our field as well. And I think that's, that's, that's good. That's good. I mean, it's not a bad thing. And you know, if they end up leaving us because our content isn't really their style anymore, that's okay. I'm okay with that. How, this is completely just off the you know left field, but how interesting is it that podcasting is a niche group? Uh, there, there's a niche audience who's enough into technology to be into podcasting, but also into these other subjects. And then within podcasting, the more the more niche your podcast is, like the the the, the 
closer the focus on a single subject you bring your podcast, the more likely you are to find success in podcasting in general. So the more you limit your audience, the more the more potential growth you have in that audience. It just it seems so counterintuitive to me that generalized podcasts typically don't get the fanfare and the and the the attention that some of these very niche podcasts get. So by strangling your I don't want to say strangling, but by limiting your your potential pot, your your uh, audience, you end up with higher numbers listening to your show. Yeah. And I think, I mean, there's a double edged sword aspect to that because, you know, we're almost the niche within a niche within a niche, because if you take guys who are quote unquote cigar smokers and really people who would give a crap about listening to anything about cigars in general, which is a very small subset of people, I mean, within the United States, which is the biggest market for cigars in the world. I mean, you're talking, I think uh, one of our uh, competitive quote unquote cooperative cooperation podcast had some really great stats on that. And it was something like 0.8% of the entire population of the United States are what you would consider regular dedicated quote unquote cigar smokers. And then you take that and you say, well, that's your best case scenario. I mean, yeah, maybe there's going to be some people outside of that group that listen, but not necessarily because who, who wants to listen to a subject that they have no investment in and don't care about for an hour every day or every other week or whatever that podcast schedule might be that's a that's a really niche topic and then you say okay well of that 0.8 percent how many people are not completely afraid of technology or just don't care about podcasts at all and of that group how do i now get that group to listen to my podcast and as much as i hate apple and i do hate apple sorry for all the people using iphones out there i mean it's a great device but i hate the corporation that makes it they have done so much and i don't know that they've done it intentionally because i think it's all selfish but they've done so much for podcasting to make it so available to people who are not technology people and make it consumable in a really really easy fantastically approachable way i mean i still am staggered by looking at the numbers just how many people are consuming pro the product through some sort of apple-ish device or apple software even people are moving away from the, the phone itself, still using some sort of Apple platform because it's easy and it just makes it so consumable. And I think, you know, that super ultra niche audience we have wouldn't be there at all if we didn't have that platform to to make it available. And I'm thankful for that. As as much as it frustrates me, I'm thankful for that. <laughs> Looking out to the landscape that is podcasting there's undoubtedly more ideas out there than there are podcasts absolutely so for those who are considering a podcast for those that are, are milling the idea they're 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 grinding it away trying to figure out exactly how to go about doing it what words would you have for them as they begin their podcasting journey? I think Anthony goes back, you know, we we're talking about measurables before. And I think measurables can be a bit of a trap. I think specifically with my show, Sharing Our Pairings, I, I think I had talked about it and, and floated the idea for almost 10 months before we started the show. And I think someone just eventually came along and said, look, just do the show. Just, just, 
it's going to be, you know, your first two shows are going to be unwatchable and that's okay, but you need to just start the show and just do it. And I think there's probably an aspect of your motivation for doing the show. Are you doing the show because you, you want to get rich as they say? Well, that's probably not going to happen. In fact, almost certainly, you know, it's, it's not, it, you need to get into it because it's a creative outlet or because you find it interesting or because, you know, this other measurable you're trying to apply, but you should just do it and it's going to suck. I mean, you know, you're going to learn a lot along the way and the first 10 or 15 episodes are just going to be terrible. But it, as long as you're, as long as it's a, a nice, fun, creative outlet that's interesting to you, or, you know, you're getting, I guess the other aspect, you're getting that, that audience that you want and that audience is, is growing over time, then you should just do it. And, you know, as, as many, cause there's a lot of, we are just talking about genres, like, um, you know, take the, like the gaming genre. I mean, God almighty, there's so many different gaming channels out there. And yet some of the gaming channels have just an absurdly huge audience. And, you know, I see all the time in the podcast community discussion, like on Reddit or wherever someone says, well, I'm thinking about doing a, a gaming podcast. It's like, God, man, really another gaming podcast. But it's like, if, if that floats your boat, if, you know, if it's a great creative process for you and you get that audience you want, you know, who am I to tell you not to like, you, you know, the only way you're going to find out if you're the next, you know, game grumps or whoever is by doing it. And maybe you're going to be that really funny, interesting guy who makes it great. And maybe you're not, and maybe that's okay. But the fact that you're doing this and you're getting enjoyment out of it, that's good. And I think the moment it becomes this, this sort of dead creative process for you where, um, you know, it's, it's become work, you know, it's not fun anymore, which there are definitely days where I question that as I'm doing my third <laughs> hour of audio, audio editing and engineering. I go, is this really fun for me anymore? Um, but I think the moment you start dreading recording that podcast, then it's, it's time to walk away and that's okay because you don't have to do it for 10 years. I mean, I there's maybe this, this idea that, if you do a podcast, well, you know, if you're going to do a podcast, you better be committed to doing it for a year. You better be committed to doing it for two years. Who cares? Like if you produce five episodes and then bail, that's okay. I mean, maybe you'll be the inspiration for the next guy who, who listened to your podcast and thought some of the ideas you, you came up with were really interesting and they take it in a different direction. I think ultimately everyone had to start from this place of, you know, there was a guy or a lady who, started the first podcast and that idea branched out into other ideas. I mean, I think, you know, think of like Dan Carmen's, uh, uh, what is the history? Hard, it's so funny. History. I listened. Yeah. Hardcore history is like one of the most amazing podcasts out there. And I listen to it like all the time, but that just didn't start as its own idea. It came from other ideas and it came from other podcasts, you know, and you trace that back to NPR and you taste, you know, there's all these other sort of podcasts that have, that have fired that creative juice in somebody to come up with their own take on that. And now their own take is really fascinating and maybe millions of people listen to it, but you know, if you want a podcast, do it. It's okay. And don't, you know, don't let the haters tell you it's, it's not okay because, um, you know, whether it's a podcast or painting or writing, I'm sure that guys and ladies out there who are brilliant at it started from a place of not thinking the work was any good. And then they discovered that's, actually not true you're just being too critical of yourself now i I would be completely remiss if i didn't ask you about the armed forces network afn Mm -hmm. as a military member myself 
I know there is a plethora of great content and bad content on AFN being broadcast all over the world for, uh, for troops in some very remote locations and sometimes just, uh, just outside of Naha. So how, how did that come about and, and what feedback have you gotten from, from being affiliated with the uh, armed forces network? Um, so that, that was a, uh, a, I don't deal doesn't seem like the right word. That was an arrangement that was negotiated prior to me coming aboard but I think as a part of that arrangement, I think there's, I, I feel that there's an, an obligation or maybe um, obligations, maybe not the right word. There, there's a, there's a plateau that I feel like I'm pushed to reach because, you know, whatever your feelings are in the military, there are men and women out there who are in harm's way in countries that are many times super crappy to be in, super dangerous, very uncomfortable, boring as hell. And if you can bring a moment of levity or, or interested or, you know, whatever, whatever that feeling, that emotion you're bringing to them and, and make their day a little bit better. To me, that's a big responsibility. I mean, I, I think I take it really seriously and I don't think that necessarily some of my co-hosts do sometimes, or, you know, other, some of the other content that's on the AFN. I mean, if I've heard some of the content, it's like, God, man, really? I mean, <laughs> you really going to broadcast that? It's terrible. But in, really, until, you're, until you're standing in a trailer that is the battery shop in the middle of 5,000 miles of just desert with... Crap desert. It's, uh, and then you're listening, and you find yourself listening to the, the shittiest shows on AFN. And then something good will come on. You're like, this, my, my week now revolves around this show coming on every week. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I think about like, there's, there's a, a lady or a dude out there who's been humping it in the desert or whatever crappy other station, you know, maybe, hey, maybe they've got a sweet setup in Japan. Who knows? But most likely they're humping it out in some place that's just complete crap and they've been out and they're exhausted and they've had maybe a boring day or a shitty day or whatever. And if at the end of that day, they can flip on the AFN and they're like, oh man, surgeon's on. I can't wait to hear what rambling r ridiculousness he's up to today, but I'm looking forward to it. It's going to take me out of this crap hole where I've got, you know, all this sand in places that I'll never get rid of it. But I'm not going to be thinking about that for the next 58 minutes because I'm going to be entertained and distracted. And I think, like I said, I do take that as a responsibility. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really dedicated to try and make that 58 minutes interesting as much as possible. I don't know how interesting <laughs> it is. I mean, I'd love, I'd love to be in a tent and just see some guy like Jesus Christ surgeon. Really? <laughs> really? You're terrible. I mean, this again? Know, sometimes I, yeah, <laughs> God, man, move on. I know you love flowery words, but just move on. I've, you know, I've got a grade 12 education. I don't know what that word means. Um, <laughs> But if we can entertain those those people uh, for that 58 minutes, I, I, I'm, I'm, I feel that there's a level of satisfaction. The tough thing is, is that in a lot of cases, we can't get that feedback. I mean, they're out on deployment or they're out stationed and, um, you know, the, the sec ops or whatever of, of that area doesn't necessarily mean that they can shoot us a line or drop mm -hmm. us an email and say, hey, I really enjoyed this episode because that that's just how it works. So in a lot of ways, you're broadcasting to a blind 
um, response. You know, you don't know what that feedback is. You don't know whether you're hitting your mark or not. I mean, you know, or, or, uh, we're coming up as you, you were mentioning your show's coming up on three years. We're actually coming up on a three year anniversary as well. And, you know, I think back and go, you know, was the first year just so terrible that people stopped listening or, you know, was the second year really the year where now people, maybe there's a, maybe there's a group of guys out in Afghanistan that are humping it. And at the end of the day, they get their cigars from the, uh, cigar rates of America and the, and the, you know, all the great groups out there that try to bring cigars to the troops. Are they sitting around smoking cigars, listening to our show and having a blast and laughing? And I, and I hope in my mind and I hope in reality, that is what's happening because that would be perfect. I mean, if, whether we have 10 guys listening or 20 guys listening, if there's a group of, of people out there, men and women who are smoking cigars or not and listening to the show and being entertained, that's great. I'm happy. That's, that's good. You I know, mean, if I can improve their day and distract them for that, that time period, then I think that's a success. That's a good measurable success for me personally. And if they are happening to listen to this, uh, this podcast, because they wanted to know a little bit more about you and mm-hmm. your process and they're out there, they can't call, they can't, uh, write a letter, but maybe they can email or shoot a tweet at you. Where can they do that to? So you can always reach me at least as long as my email is functioning for the day. Uh, surgeon at cigarfederation.com is an easy one. I've tried to maintain the handle throughout the different social media apps because, you know, it's difficult and challenging to try and track all of those. But for the most part, it's always Cigar Surgeon, one word, um, Cigar Surgeon on Facebook, Cigar Surgeon on Twitter, Cigar Surgeon on Instagram. And, you know, we always welcome feedback. I, I want critical feedback too. I want somebody to say, listen, I, you know, I listened to your episode and I listened to you talk about scotch for 20 minutes and it was the most painful thing I've ever heard. I don't care about that distillery. I just want to hear you drink the scotch and talk about the flavors. For the love of God, stop telling me how many stills they have. It's just so painful. Um, so, you know, Cigar Surgeon is an easy one. And of course, Cigar Federation. I mean, I got to plug the site. Go to Cigar Federation. There's a really great community. I'm really proud of the community. We try and keep it classy. We try to keep it uh, inclusive, which can be a bit of a mixed bag in the cigar industry. I think, you know, cigars as a whole, if you're not in the cigar industry, there's absolutely this idea that it's full of fat old white dudes. And sadly, for the most part, that might be true. There's a lot of fat dudes. Um, a lot of them are older and, you know, it's absolutely, there's a lot of white dudes in there, but by the same token, um, one of the great equalizers for me is going into, been into many cigar lounges throughout the United States and going into a cigar lounge and it's very inclusive. You know, it doesn't matter whether you're, um, white or a black dude or an Asian dude or whatever, everyone's welcome. And it doesn't matter whether you're liberal or conservative, mostly because you don't want to talk politics, but you know, they always say it's a great equalizer because the number of times I've been in a lounge and I've, you know, I'm not a millionaire and I'm sitting smoking a cigar next to a guy who in fact is a millionaire and it doesn't matter because the, the, that social disparity, disparity, pardon me, it doesn't exist within that lounge. So, you know, uh, somebody, some of the other day, I can't remember the exact phrase. It was a great, um, it was a great phrase. So I'm going to mangle it, but there was like, whether you're a shit shoveler or, um, you know, fortune 500 company, 
both of you are sitting in chairs opposite to each other, having a conversation and sharing this hobby, which I think, you know, whatever your feelings are on tobacco, I think that's a good thing. I think we need more of that. I think we need more inclusiveness. We need more um, bringing people together to have these discussions and, and come together as a community and see each other's people and stop focusing on things that make us different and, and getting into that blue versus red camp, you know, I, I know it's, it's probably comes off super touchy feeling, but it just drives me crazy. It's like, listen, just, you know, pour a whiskey, light a cigar and just like, we'll figure it out, but we're both people. And like, just let's just be reasonable people and have a reasonable conversation and treat each other with respect. And that's okay. And that sounds good to me, man. That, that all, all of that sounds good to me. Um, I'm not a cigar person myself. I, I can enjoy a, a, a short toke on a long brown stick once in a while. Gotcha. But uh, listening to your podcast, I really enjoyed it. I, I can tell that you're passionate about it. And, and I thought it was a lot of fun. So even if you're not a, a cigar person, cruise on over to Cigar Federation and just see what they have going on there. Sometimes it's uh, it's, it's interesting, even if you're not part of the niche that enjoys the particular subject. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Ethan Kane. You can follow the show at Undaunted Cast. You can find out everything that we're doing at Ritual Misery at RitualMisery.com. Cruise on by there. Celebrate geek with us. Uh, thank you to Kevin McLeod for allowing us to use your music. And for me, for John, and for all the aspiring and, ve- and veteran podcasters out there, thank you for joining us on the, this journey. Thank you so much, Anthony.